Welcome to the Boomer Woman's Podcast. I'm your host, Agnes Knowles. When today's guest suggested he come on this podcast, he said he'd like to talk about finding joy. Yes, there are still some of us who struggle with the concept, for whom joy seems to have taken a vacation. And then I read his story and checked into what he's doing now. I don't want to speak for John, but his life seems to have gone from sort of middle ground to some very dark places. And now, fortunately, he resides in a place of joy, contentment, and often enlightenment. His might be an unusual story, but listening to him now, as he lives on the light side of life, his journey definitely has its relatable parts. Listen now. month of 2024 is almost a wrap, and I'm a little in awe of the variety of guests that have joined me here so far. We've set the bar pretty high for the rest of the year. Today's guest is somewhat of an enigma for me, so if I seem to be pondering my questions for him, that's why. I may be showing my own lack of of knowledge and lack of ignorance. I've got lots of that, Um, my own lack of knowledge here, but there seems to be several disconnects in his journey. He was raised a Baptist, which I understand means accepting Jesus as Savior. He even had his own sort of awakening in his teens. Yet he finished high school and joined the U.S. Army, doing counterintelligence in Afghanistan, Kuwait, Iraq. He left the Army to return to it as a contractor. And he sits opposite me today, a self-professed omniscient universalist, I'll have him explain that in a minute, on a spiritual path that has included the teachings from Eckhart Tolle, Ram Dass, even the Gita, which I think is Krishna. John Lawyer, my intro probably sounds anything but welcoming, but I do want to welcome you to the Boomer Woman's podcast. No, I'm really happy to be here, Agnes. I really, I really appreciate you having me on. Can we start at the beginning? Sure. Your life as an Oklahoma Baptist, what did that look like? You know, I, I was, like I said, I was raised in the Southern Baptist Church, uh, came from a family, you know, mother, father, had an older sister. I never really resonated with the church. Uh, I always had lots of questions. I can never really resolve that, uh, you know, everybody but evangelical Christians were going to hell. I never sat well with me, even as a kid. I spent a lot of time sitting in the hallway as a child, actually, out in Sunday school with my <laughs> with my Bible. People would kind of chuckle as they walked by to... To, to big church. And so I, I never really fully felt comfortable in the church. I also saw the church involved in politics in the town and that kind of thing. And it just, it never really sat well with me. And I, and, and I was raised, even though I was raised in Southern Baptist church, both my mother and father came from Southern Baptist families. They were, they were liberal and progressive thinkers and um, raised me that way. So what possessed you to join the army? And, and as you explain that, can you explain counterintelligence, please? So counterintelligence essentially is it's it's uh, one country or organization trying to prevent another country from spying on them. And if they are spying on them to manipulate that situation, if they're able to uh, figure it out and, and send misinformation or that kind of stuff the other direction. So it's to find spies. It's to counter spies. It's to manipulate spies. It's also... Um, there's aspects of collecting in, like human intelligence where you meet with people, collect information from them. And, uh, there's also an aspect of, uh, all of that, but instead of spies 
more like counterterrorism. So doing the same thing against terrorist organizations in addition to nation states. So I had asked you what what made you join the army? What possessed you? How, how did you know you were going to go into counterintelligence when you joined? I didn't. I, I hadn't specifically said I want to be a counterintelligence special agent. I knew I wanted to go in the intelligence community. I had always had kind of a fascination with uh, Tom Clancy and Jack Ryan and the first World Trade Center bombings in 93. I was in fifth grade, I think, really messed with me. I didn't really understand why that would happen and why people would do that. And so I wanted to do something to kind of see what I could do to counteract that and to be involved. And so when I tested, I tested and I qualified for counterintelligence. And my recruiter was like, I've never seen this come up on my computer, so you should probably take this job. Um, and I knew what counterintelligence was in in a sense because I'd read about it. So that's kind of how it happened. Um, so you were in the Army and contracted the Army for quite a few years. Can I ask you a personal question? Always. Your, your wife, Stacy was with you for much of your military life? She was. We were in the same unit. Uh, we got married in Kuwait. Our wedding certificate's actually in Arabic. And uh, we've been married for 20 years now. And she was in all of those countries with me, Kuwait, Iraq, and Afghanistan, almost the whole time. We spent a couple of years apart here and there, but we were mostly deployed together. Now, I would think that living in a war zone, uh, especially for an extended period of time, would affect each person differently. Did you and Stacy mostly stay on the same page? We mostly stayed on the same page. We worked side by side uh, the whole time. Uh, we do very well spending a lot of time together. Uh, we were both, in some ways, we never grew up, and in some ways, we were also very mature. Like she's eight years older than me, so I'm, I'm forty-two. She's fifty, and. I think that being I'm kind of an older soul a little bit. So I think that helped. Like we had the ability to kind of um, support one another. Uh, we're very it's, it was a I don't think there's any such thing as an easy relationship. <laughs> but I feel like our connection made things a lot easier than it could be. OK, and, I, and I'm not going to go deep into your personal life. It was just the, when I was reading about that, I thought the mom and me came out and I thought, oh man. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely. So after military, you were back on City Street. How old were you then? After I got done with everything mm -hmm. um, over there, I I was, see, I would have been in my uh, mid thirties, like 33, somewhere in there. Like Wow. So, so was yeah, that culture 34. shock? I was, yeah, I didn't, I was completely shocked. I, I mean, I had spent uh, in addition to spending a lot of time overseas, my time in Afghanistan was consecutive. So I spent I had spent six and a half years consecutively in Afghanistan. Like cars had changed. <laughs> like I didn't, you know, the body styles of cars had changed. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it was a complete shock. I had a no no identity outside of. I mean, I had worked 100, 110 hours a week for years on end, and my whole identity was my job, and that I I I was really good at it. I was respected at it. I. I got to mentor people and teach people and keep people safe and and a lot of other darker things that I I wish I hadn't done. But, uh, you know, through through all of it. Yeah, it was a shock coming home and not having an identity. So I understand that you asked the VA for help and you were paired with the one in a million counselor who believed in the therapeutic uses of mindfulness, hypnosis, meditation, Eastern philosophy. How long did it take you to realize what a gift she was? I, I realized early on that she was different and that I was lucky to have gotten someone that wasn't just a typical, like, ask questions and send you on your way therapist. So I, I, 
I was very damaged when it started. So I didn't have much awareness of, of hardly anything, but I did kind of recognize that. And, uh, and I, I tell people, you know, there's a very good chance she might've saved my life. I don't know, but I, I think there's a good chance that she did. Wow. You also say that finally everything made sense to you. Can, can you explain that please? Yeah, that took about seven years. So seven, fast forward seven years later, I, this is I'm about sure from, from where, <laughs> yeah, from where we're talking now, that was a little over two years ago. And I had, yeah, I had a moment of complete, for me, it was complete understanding clarity, kind of, they call, some call it awakening. And I understood my place in the universe and, and what my higher purpose and, and Dharma was, and that we're all connected. And there's this beautiful oneness of everything. And yeah, it was a, a life-changing kind of event for me. Okay, so I used the term omniscient universalist in my intro. Is that what we're talking about here? Yeah, I, I'm as a universalist, I I really believe in the validity of whatever religion, whatever philosophy, whatever faith or anything within you that you want to believe. I, I think it's valid. I think that every person has their own unique path. And I think there's some pretty cool thought that that humans have had over over history and throughout the world across time. And and I think we should respect that. I think we're all saying very similar things, too. You used the word dharma earlier. Mm-hmm. What is it and why is it important? I think we each, each of us have this unique higher purpose in life. And I think that's our dharma, our Hindu kind of Hindu type dharma. And I, you know, I think we can, we can, it can shift throughout our lives, but I, I think we can get an essence of it, you know, what do we love? What lights us up? What, what can we not wait to get up and do the next day? You know, go to sleep and wake up and do again. And that's that. I think that's our higher purpose. And first, we have to figure out what that is. And then once we know it, are we living that? Are we living every day what connects us to ourself, to the universe, to the world around us? Uh, to me, that's that's, the, that's our higher purpose. So some of the philosophies that it sounds like you've, I was going to say embraced, but gone into certainly, they're ancient. So how do we navigate a spiritual path in this modern age? Yeah, like you were talking about Krishna, and you can go back to the you talked you said Gita, which is great, the you know the Bhagavad Gita, and going back to to Arjuna and Krishna. Right? So yeah, it's ancient, but you know it, even in today, it's about okay, I can be spiritual. But how do I go live in this modern world that's fast paced, there's digital devices, there's noise. Uh, and so how do I intersect my spiritual path with this everyday day to day world? And for me, we have to be a little aware and intentional to do that. And we have to want to kind of align our mind, body and soul to do that. I think anybody can be helped by it, whether you're a driven professional, whether you're a stay at home parent, whether you're a grandparent, I, I don't I don't think it matters. You know, I think that we can always change ourselves. We can always uh, align ourselves. Yeah, I, I'm going to ask you this question, even though I have my really, <laughs> really strong thoughts about it. But one of the questions in your bio was, uh, like you're ta- one of your talking points was being open to the universe. How do you yes. explain that? I love that term. Yeah, I. W- when you talk about being connected to everything, the, I think the universe will send us what we need. I, I even think the universe will send us what we we ask for in a lot of ways, but we have to be open to receiving in receive mode. It's like it might send us something that we asked for in a very different way than we thought, right? Thank you for that. Life, yeah. Yeah, yeah, life never happens, hardly ever happens exactly how we think it's going to. 
And that destination that we see that we're going and walking towards, maybe like we're not going to get to that destination. It's going to be different. And so if you're open to the universe, you're in receive mode, you're going to be able to accept all this help that's coming your way. Uh, but you have to be prepared to accept a different type of help than you were expecting. <laughs> you and I are just on the exact same page there. That's great. <laughs> it's like sitting here nodding away. Um, now, you used a term that uh, I was curious about. We've all heard of stream of consciousness. You talk about a stream of unconsciousness. Yes, I, there is this belief. I have this belief that we're told all these things from the time that we're young. We're told to do this and don't do that by our teachers, our parents, our friends, our coworkers, our job, all this stuff, right? And we don't, we don't, we often don't get told to look within who are, who am I? What are my own personal values? Who am I outside of all that? So we get pulled by society. We get pulled by society to, to live the status quo, uh, get on the conveyor belt and just, you know, job, education, job, kids, spouse, and this, and, and that's the stream of unconsciousness. It pulls us. It can be warm. It can be inviting. It can be even be great sometimes, but if we stand up out of that stream of unconsciousness and look around, there's all this beautiful color. We can figure out who we are outside of that pole of society and figure out what what we need, what we want, who we are outside of all that stuff. It's interesting to hear you say that at your age, because as boomers, those of us in our 60s and 70s, I mean, there was so much of that stuff that we just took for granted. Um, I once heard the term rules and it was the bullshit rules that we all grew up with so it's yeah i think yeah. things have changed in some ways but unfortunately i think they haven't changed in some ways so yeah i think we have moments in time where you start to you start to rebel against that i mean and the boomers they had the 60s you know i was raised by two boomers and and, and my wife is an exer solidly an exer you know, you know eight years older than me and i'm kind of on that that bridge in the between millennials and exers at 81 and I think that that sometimes you have these great moments of rebellion, but then they you they get quieted, right? Like they 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 surge, and then people go they get back on the conveyor belt, right? Um, well, life happens, you know. The kids life happens, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you have you know you grow up, and I think part of it's about within all of that. How do I maintain that magic of childhood? How do I maintain that magic of being a rebel even in my life now? Where's that line of balance? I, you know, it's always balance. It doesn't have to be an extreme. And for me, that's what it's about. I like the way you said maintain that 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 child or childhood, um, because when you think of the very best parts of childhood, it's it's curiosity, it's discovery, it's experimentation, it's you know that sort of thing. Absolutely. You had a question that sounds to me like a a whole massive volume all on its own. So I'm going to ask it and I'm curious what your response is going to be. What's the difference between spirituality, art, science, philosophy, religion, and self-help? And don't blame me for that question. It was on your bio. <laughs> no, no, I, I love that question. I I like to I like to be asked that question because I want I really would love people to see that there's very little difference between those things. When we're being spiritual, we're being artists. When we're being spiritual, we're being creative. We're if we're religious, we're being spiritual. If we're being spiritual and religious, we're also being scientific. You know, science has taken a lot of stuff from spiritualists over 
over the centuries and made scientific advancements based on on some of that. I was reading something from a, a Cambridge professor on that the, a couple of years ago. And in uh, philosophy, philosophy is very much intertwined with all that and self-help and self-improvement to me. If you look at self-help and self-improvement, which is a very natural thing to want to do as a human, it's very spiritual in its own way. And so I believe even an atheist can say, well, you know, what's, what's, what am I connected to? Am I just here? You know, and scientists can say, what, what do I believe in? And, and some scientists believe in spirituality or religion. Some are atheists. And, but most scientists will acknowledge the existence of consciousness, but they can't prove it. They, they know that they can postulate consciousness. They know that it probably exists scientifically. Max Planck, the father of quantum physics said, yeah, we postulate consciousness, but we can't prove it. And we may never be able to prove it, but we, 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 kind of see in quantum physics that that matter sits on top of consciousness and this is max Planck. Right? i mean this is a pure science this is a, a great scientist you know so I, I he wrote a book called the philosophy of physics which is uh really interesting but that's it to me the, all these things they're so interrelated and we get so invested in our own point of view and perspective that we fail to be able to have an open enough mind to be able to have a conversation with all these other people who are kind of saying the same thing that we're saying when i get into some of those discussions myself i think i'm open-minded um and my response is that you know even if i don't agree with what you're saying is i can't prove that it isn't correct even if you can't prove it is so we have to find that common ground and give each other our own philosophies or our own opinions whatever you call it Absolutely. Okay. So everybody knows I come with notes. And so as I was writing my notes today, I realized that when we first connected, you mentioned talking about finding joy at any age. Um, I think you were trying to sell the boomer, but I, I loved what you were doing anyways. And I, I got into it and I started, oh, I've been on so many pages just uh, interested in what you're doing. But talk to us about finding joy and, and address this boomer age, if you don't mind, please. Yeah, absolutely. I anything that I do now in my life, most not anything, most of the things I do in my life are oriented towards finding joy for myself. And when I'm doing uh work with my spiritual community or I'm I'm creating content for my YouTube channel that I have with my our co-founders, I I'm always looking at whether it's a a video on letting go and and forgiveness and releasing judgment or like all of that stuff or or gratitude or any of these things finding habits and routines and in, in your concrete world. It's all about leading towards joy. It's all about finding, finding that thing that makes you smile. It makes you happy. If we're going, if we're going through our lives at any age, it, we should be happy. I, I believe very much that we, I believe in light and dark. I've seen the dark. I've been part of the dark. I've seen the abyss, but I believe we're that balance that walks in between the light, and the dark, or the yin and the yang, the, you know, the balance of the universe. But, if even though we're that gray, gray balance in between, we can choose where we put our attention. I, I, you know, so I choose the light. I think that we can choose the light. And I think the older we get, just say, say for the boomers, there's wisdom. You guys have wisdom. I mean, knowledge isn't anything. Knowledge through life experience and it is transmuted into wisdom. And that, that's power. So all these all these boomers, all these people, you they have power within them that is 
how are that other people don't have yet because they don't have that wisdom. So even if you don't think you have it, it's there. And it's, it's, these are tools in your tool belt that can show you the way to wisdom. They can pay, you pave the way to wisdom. I, that's kind of the way I would describe it. It just occurred to me that you might be the right person to ask this question of, we all want to find joy in our life. We also want peace in our hearts. Joy sometimes comes across in the English language as a more animated, energetic thing, whereas peace is almost more internal and, and calm. Can you pull those two together? I'll try. That's a good question. You did a really good question. Really <laughs> Thank good... you. This is just a spur of the moment question. That's a really good question. We talked earlier about we'll never get to that ultimate destination we're planning on getting to. And we can spend our life planning planning our life away um, the next day or the next week or the next month or the next year. It really is about enjoying the journey. It's that cliche of the journey is the destination. If we can't learn to live the day-to-day and enjoy today, and, and then when we live tomorrow and that's today, then live that day. And if we can't do that, we're going to miss everything. Uh, we're going to miss the the beauty of the world around us. We're going to miss experiencing the beauty of relationships of our, our children and, and grandchildren and all and and all of that, even our pets. <laughs> There's when you slow it down, there's joy. There is joy there. It's this peaceful, calm joy. Yeah, there's there's animated joy, and I I, do, I agree with what you're saying that our often joy is this idea of this animated thing, but there is a great joy and peace and calm. And when you're peaceful and calm, when you're aware and intentional, then joy can be kind of a lot of different things. It, it can manifest itself in so many different ways. I was thinking that it was possibly just part of that ambiguity ambiguity of the English language too. But as you were speaking, even I imagined the joy, for example, right now here sitting in my office, I have a beautiful sunny day. I've got a big tree outside my window. I, I find joy at talking to you in this moment. And at the end of the day, I will have the peace of knowing that I have had that joyful day. So I don't know. I'm sort of str- I'm, I'm I'm grasping at straws here. <laughs> no, that's that's beautiful. That that that's that's it. It it is these small things each day that are great things. We just have to have acceptance of that. It's not always the the monumental stuff. Yeah, and that that's such a a good thing to keep in mind. I think especially as we we go through this life that always emphasizes the the successes, the wins, the the big stuff. Oh yes that uh, it's often the little stuff you know a hug from my grandchild is uh, way more important to me than uh, anything else so that's right tell us about kishar uh if i did my research right um she was a female deity yeah she's the uh the god sumerian goddess of mother earth or gaia um and the the word also represents the line on the horizon which is kind of that journey uh, that we're all on and I I think that the the divine feminine mother earth is a perfect name for a spiritual community. Okay, that was also your invitation to tell us about Kishar, your spiritual community. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I got you. Uh, you know, it's uh 
it's a labor of love. It's something I've been working on every single day for ever since I kind of had my moment, my spiritual moment. And uh took a while, you know, there was technical stuff and administrative stuff and creative stuff to to sort. And we finally got it launched last year. And it's designed for people of any belief, faith, or philosophy to come together and uh work on themselves, work on their spiritual path, figure out what their path is or extend it into a place they want to go or feel that they need to go. Regardless, like you could be a Hindu or a Christian or even an atheist. And uh, we can all ask better questions and find better answers and, uh, and have it be in a place that's online. You know, we, we can have authentic, meaningful connection in this digital era that we live in and, uh, we may even need that as we find our communities more spread out and, and disparate than they used to be. And so it's about bringing people together and giving them a safe, no ads, no troll space to be able to to spend time together. This question is going to sound like you are self-serving, and I don't mean it like that in any way, okay. shape, or form. But sure. are you, like you went to the VA and found that one in a million person. Can you be that place for other returning soldiers veterans something like that or is there yeah, a, we, a longer road we that's a complicated question i yeah I'm i think sorry about that. no that's okay it, i i think the road of a returning vet varies i think we have some veterans that are part of our community you know we have we don't specifically focus on that but we obviously have some expertise with that having come from that and so I, I I enjoy helping veterans find their path, and I but I feel like any anybody that's searching, anybody that that is looking for kind of the essence of their path or how to further develop their path, I don't I feel like there's no trauma or background or problem in life that is better or worse than any, any other. So I think that we're we're just focused on helping anybody that uh, is looking to, you know either advance their spirituality, find it, or uh, just just be curious about it. I like that word curious because I'm also thinking at, at the risk of sounding like I'm selling our listeners on what you do. But, you know, by the time you're in your 60s and 70s, if, if you haven't sorted things out to some degree, you can be really deep in the weeds. And so to find a community that understands what deep in the weeds looks like as well as whatever's next or perhaps the opposite extreme i don't know quite how to phrase that um but that might be something that you know like our boomer listeners just might uh want to check out as well yeah i i think anybody at, at any age can can re-explore like i said i didn't have my uh, my moment until I was, you know, in my forties and, and that's not super old or anything, but I lived almost a full life by the time I was 33 working all the hours I did and, and being awake as much as I was and, and just dedicated to my job. So I feel I almost lived a lifetime by the time I was 35. And so it's never too late to say, I want to do something different. I want to feel different. I, I want I want that alignment in my life of mind, body, and soul, uh, because that matters, you know. And I, I think each each of those aspects of our life have to be taken. We have to be healthy. We have to be. Um, we live in the physical physical world. Most of us aren't going to live in the foothills of the Himalayas, right? In a, in a monastery. So, 
uh, we have to engage with the real world and be part of it. And, and we're very much interested in, in those kind of, I call them blocks of like, like life blocks, these blocks of life that we live sleeping and eating and, and how we work out. And there, you know, we have every day we have like an intentional movement, uh, quote image, you know, that says, have you moved today? How are you moving? Are you walking? Are you running? Are you rowing? You know, whatever it is, just stuff like that, that keeps us, that keeps us young. Right. I think that's what we have to, you know, as we get older, I just read a book by, uh, Dr. Atia, Dr. Atia, um, it's called Out, Outlive. It's about health span and about extending our health span where we're not just living a long time, but we're enjoying those years that we live, you know. And you've just summed up my whole raison d'etre for this podcast. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I get, I'm going off on, on a tangent here, but um, I get quite irritated with people who say, you know, what is it, 70 is the new 40 or something. It's like, no, this is what 70 looks like. Get used to it. You know, we're healthy, we're busy, we're doing stuff. So, uh, right. yeah. Okay, now you you say you're a spiritual seeker, but you're also a spiritual guide and teacher, coach. Mm -hmm. What yeah. does the latter entail? Like. Yeah, as a as a guide and a coach, uh, I help people individually, one on one, navigate that path, their spiritual path. I I'm not looking to tell anyone how to live their life or uh, or go down their path. I think it's going to be fiercely individualistic and personal. It's going to be unique, but it, uh, so but it's more like help people help themselves and figure out that alignment of mind, body, and soul, and figure out their higher purpose, their dharma. What is it? What do you, what do you want to do? And uh, if you don't understand what your spirituality is, how do you start doing that? And if you know what it is, but there's some, there's a goal that you have or a place you want to get to, then how does, how do you do that? What does that look like? I have another interview coming up in a couple of weeks after this one with you and how I phrased when he contacted me, how I phrased it was, uh, thank you for showing me a door where I didn't know there was one. And it sounds like maybe you know, you're, it's a totally different subject, but it sounds like you may be doing people the same favor of saying, hey, did you know there was a door here that, and you can open it now, whether they walk through or not is another matter, but. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I, when I, you know, through all this stuff that I've been doing, I, I went and got my certified professional coach certification as well. So okay. I can have some, some credential, you know, bona fides so that I can you know, take this spiritual thought that I had and make it more constructive as well. Wow. Um, okay, you have options. Can you tell us about those, please? Yeah, we're we're a nonprofit, but we we do have uh, membership options where you know uh, you come in, all the all the funds go back into membership. We don't take salaries or anything like that. And uh, our first option is just a basic level membership, and it connects you with everyone in our community. It gives you uh, daily affirmations, uh, those daily intentional movement things. There's discussion where you can just chat with other people via text and ask questions, be curious, uh, share memes, you know, whatever it is throughout the day. We have uh, kind of Zoom conversations where we have kind of conversations just like you and I are having on a roundtable, that kind of thing. Uh, and so, yeah, it's that's the, the first option called our journey option. And then we have another option that includes a little bit uh, additional things like uh, journaling prompts. Uh, there's some, a little bit of monthly individual one-on-one -on -one spiritual guidance and coaching that's included with that. And then we have some one-on-one -on -one stuff. We have some accountability 
stuff that if you want to, you know, get to a specific place or have a really specific goal or something, we can help help with that. So it sounds like almost a person could start gradually. I was going to say easy, but I'll start to say start gradually. Sure. And then as the more comfortable with you and Kishar, they can move along into like further into where they they want to be yeah where, wherever they want to go yeah where, wherever they they feel like that they need to go and that would be completely up to them yeah i i hope i'm not going uh too far in here but i saw the word retreats what does a retreat look like so we yeah we had our first uh it was kind of our first beta test retreat back in september and uh for that when we were in the smoky mountains uh right next to the smoky mountain national park in uh, near gatlinburg um, and, uh, it was, a, you know, a nice house and, uh, it's just about connecting with, with other people in a non-digital way and, you know, good food. We have, uh, we have a chef that came in and, and did regular food, vegetarian options, all kinds of stuff. And, uh, uh, you know, it's just a place where you can connect with yourself, connect with nature, kind of see the beauty of things. And we're going to be, we want to be doing more of that, uh, as we move ahead. <laughs> so you, you spur all sorts of other thoughts here, which is great. I think oftentimes spirituality, uh, people often think of, you know, that um, kind of thing. Whereas, you know, like it, anybody and everybody can find that place of peace, um, whatever, no matter how busy their external lives are they can still find a place of, as I say, peace. I don't know yeah. what the, another word is for it. Yeah. I, I love that you said that because it spirituality isn't what always what we think of it as it's very, it could look very different to us. It, it might be that own thing, that meditative thing. It might just be conversation. It could be, there's all types of, you know, rituals that people can do and ritual gets a bad rap sometimes as a word, but all it is is all ritual is, is this, a practice that we do that connects us from the concrete world to the spiritual realm. You know, it's not anything more than that. It doesn't have to be a dogmatic thing. It's just a, it could be meditation. It could be prayer. It could be uh chanting it could be a lot of different things. And so, yeah, it, it, that's what I think there's all this beautiful stuff in the world that works, that work for people. So it's just about people figuring out how to piece together what works best for them. I'm on the west coast of Canada, so we're we're known out here as being those long-haired hippie freaks. So right. I, I like to emphasize that uh, you know people even in those massive great cities of the world can, can find yeah. that that place. Yeah, absolutely. We can definitely find peace even in concrete jungle. So I was going to use that term, and I didn't want to change from the concrete you had used earlier. So <laughs> where do we find you online? Uh, our main uh, website is kishar.org, uh, K-I-S-H-A-R.org. And that's the entrance to our community and our, our coaching and guidance. And it's also has links to our socials. We have a pretty cool YouTube channel that's open to the public and, and it's, it's hope it's hopefully helpful to people and gets, can help get them started or give them some, uh, answers to questions they may have. Okay. Um, you also have a podcast. Yes, we that is our YouTube channel. We essentially take the audio from it and okay. put it out as a podcast. So it's essentially our YouTube channel with no visuals. Okay. So yeah, it's it's uh, everywhere podcasts are found. 
I always try to ask my guests a personal question before we close, but I think sure. you've already answered it. <laughs> but I'll ask it anyways, because I'd like you just to maybe, Adam, sure. tell us more about you. My question was, are you a content person now and have you found joy? But I think you've pretty well spelled that out. Yeah, I think mostly it's a work in, I'm a work in progress. Uh, you know, I, as I, as I hope we all are, you know, um, I mostly have found that I work on it every day. Um, I, I have moments and I still human and, uh, my ego gets in the way sometimes, not, not my, not my ego from like an arrogant standpoint, but that mind ego thing that we talk about in the spiritual, my ego gets in the way sometimes. And it's about figuring out how to keep looping back to yourself, making sure you're okay, making sure that you're who you want to be and, and living that joyful best life that you can live. You've done a lot of extensive reading. Mm -hmm. You just said that you have those moments where ego raises its head. Do, do you know if other old ancient philosophies, like like we mentioned Krishna earlier, there's a whole bunch of other um, philosophers, shall I say. Um, did, did they get past that? Because we're all we all have that ego that gets in the way, trips us up from time to time. You know, that's a great question. That's a very difficult question. I will try to do my best. I, yeah, and I realize the what you've yeah. read are ancient writings. No, it, the answer is, yeah. I mean, I think if you look at someone like Gautama Buddha and, and the Buddhists, uh, Buddha himself very possibly was fully enlightened, probably was. I mean, and according to the teachings was, or the ancient yogis of the Vedic tradition and the Hindus. They were, there's some of them that, that have been, uh, fully fully enlightened jesus christ you know if you subscribe to, to christianity and i i very much appreciate christian mystics and in the abrahamic kind of mystical traditions but yeah i think enlightenment is possible i think there probably have been fully enlightened humans in history i think for a, lo a lot of people we're just going to touch it we're going to touch it we're going to feel it in moments and i think we'll come back um the idea of how enlightened we are is a, a, it's a very hotly debated question sometimes in the spiritual community. Like, oh, I'm enlightened. Well, no, you're not. Well, you like you telling me I'm not enlightened means you're not very enlightened at all. You know, it's it can go round and round. But, you know, there's people, there's modern self-help spiritualists uh, that claim to have been enlightened forever. You know, like there's like not, not a huge fan, but like Byron Katie has claimed to have been enlightened for like 30 years now without having a thought, had had, had a thought in the last 30 years, which seems almost impossible to me if you live in the modern world but Sadhguru, you know he's walking around uh and 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 claims to be enlightened and he probably is very enlightened i've listened to him and dude's very chill so yes i think people can obtain it it is achievable to what degree and how much is a very debated topic but yeah enlightenment's possible i each any of us can can touch that we can see it we can find it we don't be able to stay there uh, but we can get back to it so it sounds like as long as we try to just stay on the path, we're, we're better yeah, than exactly. we, we were yesterday. Absolutely. That's absolutely it. Okay. That was a total digression. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Your website link is in the show notes. All the links are on your page at our website. Listeners, if you have thoughts on today's show, please talk to us. Leave comments where you're listening, or if you're listening at the Boomer Woman's podcast at boomwithabang.com, 
scroll to the bottom of the page and talk to us there. Is there something else you'd like to ask John? Ask it in the comments and I'll get you an answer. Leave stars and reviews where you can. It helps us climb the visibility ladder. Share this episode. John, I always end with this, but I'm, I'm going to wait and have you uh, weighed in on it as well. Sharing this episode, we're in the decades where we should be becoming, we boomers are in the decades where we should be becoming the person we always wanted to be or find to totally misappropriate all these lyrics, peace and contentment, things that I've come to believe in. Our paths have been as circuitous as John's often. Your friends are in that same boat and will appreciate hearing this episode. Now, as I was thinking about sharing this episode, it occurred to me what a war-ridden place our globe is right now, how scarred so many are and are going to be. John's story might be an inspiration for them. So if you know someone in the military or someone trying to make sense of the tragedies, they might appreciate listening as well. And I'm going to pause here, John. Do you want to add in anything there? No, I appreciate that. And and I hope that people, if people do know someone that could benefit from it, please, please share it out. You never know who, whose life you're going to change. That was a pregnant pause. John Lawyer, <laughs> thank you for being my guest today. Uh, your story truly is an inspiration that there is a path out of, I don't know, the darkness, the forest, whatever you want to call it. Uh, so thank you. Thank you, Agnes. I appreciate it. I appreciate the message you're putting out in the world as, as well. Have a great rest of the week. Mm-hmm.